0: Are you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new, and in terms of this week, leave this fractious present for the past, which might be quite welcome, your lesson this week. Convict Rations in early Sydney. Your teacher is Jackie Newling from Sydney Living Museums. Good afternoon.
1: Hello, Richard.
0: Yeah. I guess we all know that they got rations in early Sydney. Uh, two things. I don't know what. Were the rations, and it surprised me to see see that everyone got the same, whether you were a convict or a a soldier.
1: Well, that's certainly how it started um, in the very early days when the first fleet uh, arrived in Sydney in 1788. Um, Interestingly, the government made no distinction between a convict or a marine, a soldier, uh, or if you were the officer or uh, an officer or the governor. So that was um, we started off with our very equal egalitarian rights quite early okay not
0: a uh, little bit uh, unequal between men and women though
1: yes uh, women didn't only qualified for two-thirds of the ration um, with that principle that um, that their work was not quite as um, energetic let's say um, so and you know if you look at um, look at Uh, recommendations these days, women are usually advised to have a a lower energy intake than men. Okay.
0: So they they served up the boys about 14,000 kilojoules per day, the women about 9,600. This was a a fair amount of food, actually. It wasn't starvation rations.
1: Definitely not. Uh, No. the, 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 The convicts were the labour force. They were the machinery. So if you think about our cars, you've got to keep them topped up with fuel or they won't work. Same with people. If you don't feed your people, they're not going to be strong enough to get the work done. And there was a lot of work to do. They were setting up a colony from scratch. So mm. they were building roads, digging ditches, rowing boats up and down the harbour. You know, it was very, very physical work.
0: And okay, we've talked about the kilojoules. What made up those kilojoules?
1: Uh, Well, it was a fairly standard uh, ration based on sort of naval history. So it had to be food, obviously, that could survive without refrigeration. Um, So flour or like a dried biscuit, uh, which they called bread, but it was like a ship's biscuit. Um, You got about a pound of that a day, a pound of either salt beef um, or, interestingly, a lesser quantity of salt pork, uh, possibly because it was fattier. Um, it gave you a higher energy level, um, and then good old dried peas. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, thinking sort of mushy peas kind of kind of situation. But all those things were very stable. Um, you know, you didn't need to, to store them in any uh, particular way, because the salt, for example, in the in the meat kept it sound, and the, and the dried peas or rice or something like that yeah
0: I mean it would all rem- it would all remind you of home it would remind you of blighty what, what did they did they try to catch a kangaroo did they try to fish in the harbor did they try to get some you know warrigal greens
1: they certainly did all of the above so um, they would supplement their they still got their ration you know that was issued to the government that was their right you know in a way to get the government food but they were allowed to um, supplement the ration with Fresh green. So the uh, convicts, for example, were given Saturday afternoons off so they could um, actually tend their own gardens. Everyone was encouraged to grow their own vegetables but also go out and forage for food, um, for for sort of greens and fruit and things. Um, However, hunting animals and catching fish required two things that convicts weren't allowed. So to to go fishing, you needed a boat. Mm And what's the first thing a convict might do if he had a boat?
0: Escape. Yes. He'd
1: nick off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, um, to hunt, hunt game, then you're going to need um, you're going to need uh, um, guns. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, course, yeah.
1: That's not on. So there was there was fresh meat caught, um, but often that was only distributed amongst those that um, that had had that um, benefit, mm. if you like, the officers and things.
0: Okay. I mean, we are talking about the early period. Of course, they then got pretty hungry, didn't they?
1: Well, after two years, um, they brought enough rations with them to last two years, but in the end it had to last a lot longer. So the governor, Governor Phillip, recognised that uh, the stores were running dangerously uh, close to to diminishing and they had been promised replenishment supply, but January 1790 came around, a full two years of of occupation here and nothing, no sign of a ship, so he decided he had to take some um, pretty drastic measures. He put everybody on a, a lower ration and decided that um, the population in Sydney could not sustain itself. They'd pretty much exhausted the local um, uh, greens and local local vegetation um, from over harvesting. Uh, yes, there were fish in the harbour, but not enough to feed you know we're talking eight hundred people a day here mm. that's a lot of food. So um, we had a colony he had set up a colony in Norfolk Island quite early in the piece and that had much richer soils and so he decided to send uh, a proportion uh, of the Sydney colony over there
0: okay that didn't that didn't work out so well either did it
1: didn't work out so well because um, the, the the main ship the Sirius um, that serviced uh, Sydney, and would ply between the two the two colonies, uh, struck the reef um, as they were unloading there, and that left Sydney with or left the whole colony the only connection with the rest of the world with a very small what they called a tender, the, the little supply ship, which was actually sort of the little protector ship for the for the Sirius. Mm-hmm. So that left that one little ship had to venture off to Batavia, so Indonesia to try and get emergency supplies. So that left the two settlements totally isolated from each other and totally cut off from the rest of the world.
0: So the supply of food just got slower and uh, scarcer and scarcer?
1: Yes, that's right. So they got down to the half, uh, you know, half ration left them on about 6,500 calories a day. Um, Philip was um, uh, didn't reduce the women's any lower. They... Everybody was on equal rations by then. He figured that women still needed at least that amount. So that's where you had true parity at that stage. Uh, But they had to limp limp through pretty hungry for several weeks until the Second Fleet arrived in June.
0: Okay, is that then bounty when that arrives, when it finally arrives?
1: Uh, Well, the Second Fleet brought another thousand-odd convicts, uh, but also enough supplies to get them over the hump, if you like. Um, but again, shipwreck sort of was the biggest enemy. But it turned out, they found out when the Second Fleet arrived that actually a ship had been sent from England, chock-a-block full of supplies mm. um, the previous year, but it struck an iceberg off the Cape of Good Hope and couldn't complete its mission. So really it shows how how tenuous, I suppose, how precarious the food security was for Sydney, relying so heavily uh, on imported foods.
0: Okay, sounds like today. <laughs>
1: well, there are echoes of that, aren't there? We do export a lot of foods, but there's a lot of our creature comforts we don't want to do without uh, that come from other countries.
0: Uh, a great lesson. Uh, Jackie, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Uh,
0: Jackie Newling from Sydney Living Museums with another self Improvement Wednesday. You can listen again to Jackie's lesson. At uh, online at abc.net.au/slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, a lesson from Tom Wright, Artistic Associate at the Belvoir Theatre. Self-Improvement Wednesday.